Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. I am the founder and director of Directional Bible Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called Encourage, Disciple, and Challenge the People of God. Today is August the 21st. I hope you, 21st. I hope you and yours are doing well. Uh, today we are going to continue our study in the book of Acts. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter number 16. So if you got your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter number 16. And we left off the other day talking about the conversion of Lydia. Uh, remember, Paul and Silas had loosed from Troas, and they came a straight course to Samothracia, and from thence they came to Philippi, and uh, which was a city in Macedonia. And they went down to the river where there were people praying, and it was all women who were praying, and there was a lady there from the city of Thyatira whose name was Lydia. And she listened to the things that Paul spoke of, and uh, she she believed. Um, it says, the, whose heart the Lord had opened, and she attended to the things which were spoken of by Paul. I've said this uh, many times. I believe salvation comes at the moment of belief. It's not necessarily at the altar call. Uh, it's at the moment of belief. That could be before the message even starts. <laughs> that could be during the message. It could be any time when the person believes. Um, believe and thou shalt be saved. Um, so Lydia did believe, and then she was baptized in her household, and she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So, Today we're going to look in verse number 16, Paul and Silas in prison. Um, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, pressed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation." And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of, of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. So, interesting, as you're reading through uh, the book of Acts, you'll see that the writer, who is Luke, will insert himself into the story. Uh, in verse number 16, notice, as we uh, went to prayer. Um, so, who is we? And then notice in verse 17, the same followed Paul and us. So, we see Luke um, inserting himself into the story here. These are firsthand accounts. Um, and then notice uh, that... This young lady apparently brought income to her masters by pretending to tell the future. Now, why do I say pretend? Because the devil doesn't know the future. Uh, the devil is not omniscient. He is not omni-anything. He's not all-knowing. Uh, he's not all-present. He's not all-powerful. Um, so the devil has no way of foretelling the future. Now, there's no doubt that he knows more than you and I do. <laughs> um, he can certainly um, get more information 
um, than we can. He's certainly older, more experienced than we are, but he simply does not know the future. Um, and anyone that says so uh, just doesn't understand the difference between God and Satan. Satan is a created being. Uh, while a God is omnipresent and omniscient and uh, omnipotent, the devil is not. He is not the opposite equal of God. He never is and he never will be. And we've talked about that before. Um, all power, uh, whether, that being said, all power, uh, whether good or bad, comes from one of two sources. And we can see that in Scripture. It either comes from God or it comes from the devil. We saw that in Pharaoh's court with the magicians who uh, replicated uh, many of Moses' miracles. Now, some would argue that those weren't real miracles. They were simply illusions. Well, you got to read kind of deep to get to that. Um, I personally believe they were able to replicate the miracles of Moses up until a certain point. But either way, we need to understand when we see supernatural forces at work in the world in which we live, they come from one of two places. Uh, and we need to be discerning uh, and determine where those are coming from. Um, I dare say that the devil uh, works in the church. or the And again, I separate um, the organization from the organism. Um, the organism, the body of Christ, is made up of true believers, but the organism exists within an organization that is, for the, for the most part, not true believers. Um, believe me, when the body of Christ, when the organism is raptured out one day, uh, the organization will still be running full steam ahead. Um uh, you know, though there will be people sitting in church uh, after the rapture, <laughs> and some of them will be on staff. Uh, so uh, make no mistake about that. There's a difference between the two. All power, forever and always, comes from one of two sources. Now, this girl is demon-possessed. Now, it's interesting that what she was saying was true. Um, I mean, everything, I mean, what she was saying uh, in regards to Paul um, was true. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Uh, it was true, but it was getting in the way of their ministry. It was an impediment, if you will. The devil was using her to be a distraction, to hinder uh, the, the work in the ministry of Paul here. Um, interestingly, um, Paul, in his epistles, uh, Romans through Philemon, never does give us instructions for how to um, have an exorcism or how to cast out demons. He never talks about it. Uh, now, we do see it in the Gospels. You know, we do see it um, under the, the Twelve, but we don't see it, um, or at least not in an instructive way, Um and I, and I think that we, I, Les Feldick talks a lot about this, and I've heard him speak on it several times. Um, too many ministries are preoccupied with 
demons <laughs> with demonology. Uh, I've been in churches where, you know, people come down to cast out the demon of alcohol, to cast out the demon of adultery, the demon of fornication. And it's interesting, they'll pray out loud in front of everybody. Um, you know, of course, charismatics, um, you know, hyper-Pentecostals will, will lean toward this quite a bit. Yet, the foundation for that is not laid in the epistles of Paul, but in the, um, in the writings of the Twelve, uh, again, which shows a focus on things of the kingdom instead of the body of Christ. They're, they're trying to operate, I believe, under a, another dispensation. Um, and I've seen whole ministries destroyed over an obsession with this. Um, I just submit to you that we are called to a ministry of reconciliation, uh, not to one of casting out demons. Um, you get them saved, you won't have to worry about the demons. <laughs> um, so, and, and I do not believe that a child of God can be possessed by a demon. Um, if you study demonology, you've got, what is it, obsession, oppression, and possession. Um, certainly a child of God can be obsessed and oppressed, but they certainly cannot be possessed. I just I disagree with that. And there are some, again, that run in the more charismatic circles, which, you know, if we rightly divided the Word of God, um, uh, would not be an issue, but we don't. Um, you know, they, they really focus on this. Um, and as the case may be, Paul realized that this was demonic, and he commanded the evil spirit to come out of her. Um, and that was that. He didn't beat on her. He didn't throw holy water on her. He didn't. Uh, he didn't strap her down to a bed. He, he didn't. He didn't put a cross on her forehead. I mean, just you know. To me, a lot of times that's just the. I don't know. It almost looks like the devil trying to cast out the devil. I mean, <laughs> we don't see that. You know, Jesus is like, come out. You know, and comes out, you know, Paul here just commanded the evil spirit to come out and bam, you know, it came out. But anyway, take that for what it's worth. Um, notice in verse number 20, um, and brought them to the magistrates. And these men being Jews, they said, do exceedingly trouble our city. Um, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Um, now remember here, we are obviously dealing with a Gentile city under Roman authority, and Rome's answer for everything was beat them. Uh, <laughs> and we see in verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them in the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, this is just one of many times that Paul will suffer in his attempt to preach the gospel. In his testimony that he speaks over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, He's, you know, he talks about, I say again, let any man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast 
of myself just a little bit. And he goes down to verse 21. He says, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And then down verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I was suffered shipwreck a night and a day, and I've been in the deep and journeys often, in perils of waters, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, and perils by the city, and perils by the wilderness, and perils of the sea, and among false brethren. This was just many uh, sufferings that Paul would go through as he attempted to take the gospel of grace uh, to the Gentiles. Um, and notice how Paul uh, and Silas responded. Look in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Um, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of courage to sing in despair, to praise the God, to praise God anyhow. You know, even when all looks lost, when all looks bleak, to turn around and praise God anyway. You know, music uh, is very important in Judaism and, and in Christianity. It's an act of worship. It's an act of saying, God, you are worthy. You've got this. I'm okay. Um, you know, no other religions in the world um, rely on music as much as Judaism and Christianity. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a noble act of worship to God, trusting God. So we worship Him in the good times and in the bad. But let me tell you something, it's a whole lot harder to worship Him in the bad times than it is to worship Him in the good. To worship God in, in the good <clears throat> is actually kind of expected, you know, but it's in the bad times when we turn and we worship God. That, I believe, is more of a sacrifice. That, I believe, is more of an act of praise, if you will, or an act of worship. Now, notice verse number 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the fountains of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were loosed. Um This would also be the first of many, where Paul would be miraculously delivered. Uh, this was obviously a supernatural event. I mean, for what earthquake actually makes someone's bands fall off? Um, you know, I, I really struggle with people, and you, you read commentaries. You know, I've been through, through, through seminary, uh, uh, cemetery, uh, yeah, seminary, and... Uh, I've read so many books where, uh, you know, people try to naturalize the supernatural. I mean, just every supernatural event in Scripture, they try to come up with a natural explanation for it. And yet we're talking about the God who, you know, called the universe into existence. Like, that stopped his being supernatural, and then in Genesis 1, everything, after Genesis 1, everything became natural. I, I, I really struggle with that. Uh, we serve a supernatural God who does supernatural things. Supernatural just means above nature. He does something 
that is just not natural. And he does that all the way through the Bible. I'm, I'm leery of people who constantly try to um, naturalize the supernatural. This is supernatural here. There's no doubt about this. This earthquake comes, the foundations of the prison are shaken, the doors are open, and every man's bands were loosed. In verse 27, And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Now, some would say, why would this guy be asleep if he was responsible for these people? Well, it says that he put them into the inner part of the prison. See here, uh, and he placed them into the inner part of the prison and made fast their feet and stocks, and they've also got bands on their hands. I mean, where were these people going? Uh, so obviously, this guy felt comfortable sleeping, um, and then all of a sudden, the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Uh, so again, we see the threat of life for life in regards to a Roman afraid of losing his own life for losing a prisoner. Uh, Rome was pretty tough in this area. It was, it was life for life. You remember when the Roman guards, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, they should have, would have, could have been killed. But they were not because they were paid uh, to go and to say that his disciples came and stole him by night. Anybody who lived in that time knew that was a lie of the devil. Uh, those guys wouldn't be alive if they had allowed the disciples to come while they slept by night and stole the body. Um, and then also you remember back when Peter, uh, Peter escaped uh, in, in Acts chapter number 12, and as soon as it was day, there was no stall, small stir among the soldiers that what had become of Peter. You know, remember Peter was awakened in the middle of the night by the angel, and he didn't know if he was uh, asleep or awake, and he goes through the, through the prison walls, and he's out by the gate, and all of a sudden he realizes, uh, I've been set free. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. So the, the response of this guy was, you know, I'm going to pay for this with my life. So he immediately uh, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. He knew it was a life for life. He knew he was going to pay for it with his own life. Um, and Paul cried out and said, hey, you know, we're here. Do yourself no harm. And he called for a light, and he sprang in and trembling, and he fell down before Paul, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Um, now notice the pronoun, what must I do to be saved? Very important. Unlike the kingdom gospel, which for was for the nation, the grace gospel is for the individual. Um, in Acts 2.37, And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, the kingdom gospel was to the nation. The grace gospel is to the individual. Um, 
and they and notice the response and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house so notice Paul's response is nothing like Peter's response when the people ask Peter what shall we do Peter says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. How does Paul respond here? Believe. That's it. No baptism necessary. No repentance necessary. Just believe. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's not a contradiction. It's a different program. It's not a contradiction. It's a different program. God changes not, but his methods of dealing with man does and has and will. Um, There is no way that you can convince me that these are not two different gospels. No way. They're two different gospels to two different people. Two different dispensations. Um. It's interesting, you, you hear covenant theologians, covenant theology guys will say, well, we're not under the law anymore. Well, obviously, you're a dispensationalist because you believe we're in a different dispensation. <laughs> uh, and then notice, and thy house. Now, this does not mean that his whole house was going to be saved, but that his whole house could be saved. Uh, that's all that means there. All right, well, that's all I have for today. It's good to see you guys. I see Scott. God bless you, brother. Mac, God bless you, man. I haven't seen you in years. I hope you're doing well. You and Heather, Texas pastor there. Love you, bro. Um, well, today is Friday. Hope you guys have a, have a great weekend. And uh, I'll see you Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, Lord willing. If the sun shines and the creek don't rise, I will be there. Hope you have a great day. God bless you.